is to challenge us to move forward with God in 2020, like in some new ways, right? Like maybe um, in some fresh ways, like rethinking what we do and why we do it and, and uh, what, we're, what we're trying to do and who we're trying to reach and, and who needs the Word of God and who needs the Gospel, right? That's what we're trying to do is to challenge us to kind of move forward with the Lord in 2020. This is like a new decade. This is, like a, this is bigger than just a new year, right? New Year's come, like how often? Okay, every year, thank you. Okay, well, how many days? Thank you for the details. Any minutes? Can you give me minutes? Okay, that's all right. That's all right. That's all right. We know they come every year, but decades come every 10, and that's, that's a chunk, right? That's a chunk of time. And we are like at the beginning of a decade. So 2020 can begin uh, doing some great things for us here at this church. And what we're uh, striving to do is to let go and let God. That's the challenge for us, okay? All of us, every one of us, to, to figure out what it is in my life that is holding me back, let go of that, and let God have his way as we go forward. We talked about this passage in Corinthians where Paul talks about um, the warnings from Israel, right? That if they think they're standing still, if we think we're standing uh, firm, be careful that we don't fall. And all the warnings that came upon them because they were disobedient, and we said there is a real danger. And the danger is not moving forward with God. That's the danger, is that we just like stand in place and just do nothing, or we just become content, or we grow cold, and that's a big danger, okay, for us. And so Revelation says, I know your deeds, God says to us, and the most important part of this was, he said, I have, uh, I have placed before you an open door. Okay, that's move forward. God's saying, come on, let's go. Let's grow through this door together. I have placed before you an open door. And uh, Job said that the righteous shall move where? Onward and forward. That's what the righteous do. They move, they go with God. And so that's what we've talked about up to this point. And then we said there's a great big need, and the need is people need the word of God in their life, right? The world is wandering around in the darkness, not in the light confused by everything else that's coming at them from every direction and what the word or what the world needs is the word of God to transform their lives they need Jesus in their life right and so the great big need is that people are lost and in the dark without any hope without the Lord and without without any direction at all that's the need right people are lost people are lost and so we asked the question, how? That's where we're going to get to this morning is this, this great big uh, question. Because the great big need is that people are lost. And the big question for us is how? How are we, like as Christians, how are we as a body, how are we as a church going to bring them the gospel? Okay, so that's the question. How? 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 And uh, the, need, the need doesn't get any more serious, right? It's kind of what we ended with last, last week, was that the need of people being lost forever, it doesn't get any more intense or serious than that, does it? I mean, people are going to hell. Okay, do we get that? Like, people are, are going to go to hell if they don't know Jesus. And we're the church. God's called us to take the light, take the word of God to people in a dark world and bring the gospel to them so that they can find hope, find Christ, and find salvation. That's, the, that's, that's what they need. That's what we need to deliver. The question is, how are we going to do that? How are we going to bring the gospel to those who 
are on a highway to hell. See, what, what the thing is, we, is that we as a church, we've been entrusted, like as believers that have come to know Christ, given Him our lives. You know, we sing these songs about how awesome God is and how we need Him and all those, all those awesome things that we say to God and about God and, and how good God is. And the question is that God is looking at us for is that He's entrusted us with the truth, with salvation, with the gospel message, and now he's looking at us to go. He's looking at us to go out into the world with the truth and reach the world. We are the church, and in our hands we hold the light of God. We hold the truth of who he is, right? We are believers who have been called to share the gospel, the light of the gospel with the world. And so what we must be about is reaching our world for the kingdom of God. That's what the church should be about, right? Reaching the world before Jesus returns, sharing the good news of the gospel with the, the lost world. Bridging gaps, right? Bridging the gaps, uh, the generation gaps, if, if you would. In the world right now, there's, there's five different generations living. Five different generations that are all living on the earth at the same time. Some of us are part of the older generation, and some of us in the room are part of the, the newer generation. We have kids down at the other end of the building that are part of the, the newest generation, right, in this world. And the question is, how are we going to reach the, the next generations with the gospel? How are we going to be effective as a church for Jesus in 2020 and beyond? How are we going to do it? It's a good question, right? Ask yourself that right now. How am I going to do that? She thinks for all of us. It's amazing. Thank you. That's, a, that's the question we need to ask. And if, if we're not asking that question, what are we doing? Like if we're not asking the question, how am I going to be used by God to reach the next generation, then what are we doing? If we're not asking of th that of ourselves, not what is my church doing, what am I doing? Like what, how is God going to use me to reach the next generation. Because we're all a part of it. If you're breathing and you're a Christian, the responsibility falls on your shoulders, just as it does on mine. The scripture commands us, right? It commands us to pass the word of God on to the next generation. And the, the scary thing is this. If we fail to pass forward this baton of life, we will have failed miserably. If we don't do that, if we don't pass the truth of who Jesus is and what we have learned onto the next generation, then we will have blown it. And we will be as in danger of the same punishment that we saw Paul talk about with the Israelites and John talk about in Revelations uh, of, uh, that they both wrote about. And we can't afford to just stay here where we are. We have got to be willing and want to move forward. Okay, so we all know the need, right? We all know there's a need. The need is that people need who? The Lord. People need the Lord, right? People are lost in their sin, just like I was at one time and you were at one time. People are in need of Jesus. And we all know that we have to go reach the world. God has called us to reach the world. And we all know that Jesus came with a mission, right? He came with a mission. He came on a mission. He was a man on a mission, right? And we have a mission here at this church, right? It's connecting people to Jesus and each other, right? That's our mission. 
And that lines up with the mission that Jesus came to share, which is the Great Commission, to go into all the world and make disciples, right? Baptize, teach, raise them up, to go out and do the same thing, right? It's a cycle of, of coming to know Christ, finding hope, finding life, and then wanting to go out and share that with other people who don't know that. That's the cycle we're supposed to be living in and thriving in right now, right? Jesus had a mission, and that mission has not changed. And that mission, that mission comes before anything that we do called church or religion. It's the same mission that he came here to fulfill himself is still alive in our mission today. So the question becomes how? How? How are we going to reach this world? That's a good question, right? And there's a lot of questions uh, as we think about some of these things. And, and today's message really is geared just to make us think a little bit, to stir us up into thinking, what are we going to do? as we begin a new decade, as we begin like this new year, as we begin to think differently about what we're doing as a church and as believers in Christ. Like, how are we going to reach this world? In what ways can we bring salvation to people that are out there lost without Christ? How are we going to bring the unchanging message of Jesus to a lost world? How are we going to do that? I'm not asking just me. I'm asking us to ask ourselves, how are we going to do that? How are we going to take the gospel to the next generation? It's a big question. And it's not a matter of what, because we know what, they need Jesus. And it's not a matter of when, because we know it needs to happen now. And it's not a matter of why, because we know hell is in place and people are doomed forever if they don't come to know Christ before he returns. And so the question is, how are we going to bridge the gap? How are we going to bridge these gaps? They're big gaps, too. They're like Grand Canyon gaps between, between the oldest generation on the planet and the youngest generation on the planet. There are some big monster gaps that we have to figure out how we're going to bridge if we're going to pass the gospel on to the next generations. Because one day we're going to leave this place, right? One day we're going to get older and we're going to pass on and then whatever we have done will stand as is. And we've got to figure out while we still have breath how we're going to bridge these gaps and share the gospel with the next generation. So, so here, here's some pictures. Uh, some of you will remember this. You don't have to admit that if you don't want. But I will. I did. We had one of these in our living room. Do you guys even know what this is? Yeah, Okay, so, so this is like one of those TVs, right, old school, uh, <laughs> with the rabbit ears, right? And if those, the rabbit ears aren't facing the right direction, you're not going to get much. <laughs> if, uh, if, if the rabbit ears are working, you might get like two or three channels. Remember that? This is back in the day. This is a long, 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 a couple of years ago, right, Sharon? A couple of years ago. <laughs> All right, so, so th this represents the older folks in the room, okay? I was right at the verge of that, you know, like, like I was at the, uh, the, the turning point of that. And this represents the latest generation, at least um, not even the latest, because there's not even a, a, a term for them, okay? So, so as we know, like in the world, generations are kind of labeled based on, not just based on the people, but based on what's happening 
while they're young people, while they're born in their generation. And so this represents like our grandkids. Like they have all of it, like iPads, laptops, you know, the headphones. And they, they were basically born onto the planet with a phone in their hand. Right? They can't operate without it. Seriously, have you noticed that? I mean, even like a little bit older than even this age kid. Uh, they can't operate without like a cell phone like here, right? It's got to be like here. It's like if it's not here, they, they go like this. You know, they just turn in circles. But you put that phone back in their hand and now they, they're good. They're good to go. And so this is like Gen Z. That's the, the latest Generation Z. And so here's, here's like the gaps of the generation, just to help us understand what it is we're up against and that this need to bridge the gaps is, is, is big. So centennials, that's anyone in the room born before 1944, that's, that's, that's you guys. That's the oldest uh, group here among us. Then there's like the baby boomers, which... I would probably say most of us are probably part of the baby boomer generation, at least uh, 44 to 64. Uh, Gen X, born between 65 and 79. The millennials, right? We all hear about the millennials, right? They don't want to do anything. And then uh, we've already passed the millennials now. Now we have Gen Z. These are kids that are born between 95 and 2015. So they're, so they're categorized, okay? And, and this, is the, this, is the, this, is the, this is the problem right here. We've got, we've got a huge gap between what we believe and how we live and what we think and how we raise our kids and all of that thing, all that stuff that goes into each generation being different than the one before it. Well, we're five generations removed from, from the oldest members on the planet. Five generations and as a church, we've got to ask ourselves, how in the world are we going to bridge these gaps? How are we going to pass the gospel from this, this generation to this generation? How are we going to do that? It isn't a matter of what. We know what. They need Jesus. It isn't a matter of when. We know now. And it is a matter of why. We know because, because people are in jeopardy, right? Hell is real. People are going there every day when they die without Christ. And so it's got to be a passion in our heart to want to do this. And so the question is big. It's a big, how are we going to do this? And there are a lot of questions. There's probably like at this point, as we get moving into the decade, as we get moving into this series, there's more questions than there are answers right now. But the hope is that the questions are going to lead us to answers, which is going to lead us to direction and then lead us to moving and going forward with Jesus in a new way, with new ideas, with a fresh outlook. So is the answer, we're going to stand on a box at the, on the corner and preach hell and brim, brimstone to this next generation? Is that what's going to reach them? Uh, will the methods of, of past generations reach this new generation? Can we just stand around and picket every evil that we see out there and bash sinners over the head with the Bible? Is that what's going to work? Can we just continue to do church as usual? Is that what's going to work? Just do what we've always done, just keep doing it. Maybe they'll come around, maybe they won't. Is that going to really affect this new technology generation? How are we going like, to reach them? Are we going to just stick our head in the sand and do nothing? And act like there's no problem, there's no issue, everything's fine? Are we going to pretend that we're doing all that God wants us to do and just stay right here in our comfortable state of numbness? 
See, what will it take to get the attention of this next generation and share with them the love and the grace of our Lord Jesus? That's the question, and, 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 and so it, it's, a, it's a how question. How are we going to do this? How? We, we have to wrestle with this as a church, as, as Christians, as believers. We have, to, we have to wrestle with how are we going to do this? It's a real big question. How are we going to do this? How are we going to do this? Going forward, how are we going to do this? Like when Jesus came to the earth 2,000 years ago, and we think about Jesus and his ways, we know that he used everything at his disposal to share the good news. Everything. Think about things Jesus used. He used water. He used dirt. He even used spit. Okay? He used birds. He used trees. He used rocks, logs, splinters. He used sickness. He used disease. He used sayings. He used stories, parables. Uh, he used humor. He used illustrations. He used poetry, dialogue, discussion, and he used questions. Jesus used everything he could to share the gospel with a lost world because Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. He did not come for the righteous, but for the sinners. He came to reach the lost. That's his mission. That's our mission. So what would Jesus use today in our world? If he came on the planet in our time, 2020, what would Jesus use today? We have got to think. What would he want us to use? What would Jesus want us to use to share the good news with the next generation, with the world? We realize, you know, I realize, you realize, that we can't just throw open the doors and just do anything and everything that the world is doing. We, we, we understand that. That cannot happen. Because some of our churches, as we're learning, have allowed far too much to come in, right? They've let anything happen. We'll let anything go in our church, right? And, and, and if you look out into the world and the church on a whole, there's this division going on. We're seeing it all around us, right? Between what a church will stand for and what they will fall for. In fact, the, the, the church is lost in the world anymore. It's like, a, it's like the church out in the world just off the sea with no direction, just going wherever the wind and the waves blow it. The lost church, they call it. You know those churches where preachers preach feel-good messages of health, wealth, and prosperity, and everyone feels real good about themselves, and nobody leaves changed, nobody leaves co uh, convicted, nobody is called to repent, and they just go around, go off, uh, patting each other on the back, feeling good about how things went. The church, the lost church, has softened in a lot of ways, in an ungodly way, their stance toward a lot of different issues as well. Marriage, gender roles, the unborn, substances, and any way possible to get to the Father is, is fine with us. The, the, the lost church in the lost world is not doing anybody any good. One writer said that the church of our generation is in an identity crisis. We don't even know who we are or what we're supposed to be doing. The secular church has allowed the ways of the world to seep into its beliefs and practices, diluting the truth, right? And we, and we must, we, we just saw, we're just reading about like the, the major split in the Methodist church, right? Over these very issues, 
over what we're going to stand for and what we're going to allow. Jesus warned us, right? He warned us that you have to, as believers, live in the world, but don't be of the world, right? That's, that's the dilemma we're in. That's the, the balance. The, that's the tension that we are in, that we have to live in the world. We can't run and hide in a building somewhere, but we have to live among the world, but not be of the world, right? So compromise is not ours to play with. Jesus also said, not only we are living in the world but not be of the world, he did call us to go and reach the world. So we have a mission. We have marching orders, right? We have a command from the the general above to to go into the world and reach the, the world. So we know we can't just throw open the doors and do everything and anything, but we can't do nothing. Can we all agree? Can we all agree this morning that we can't just do anything and that we can't just do nothing. Can we agree to that? Amen, good. So we have to ask ourselves this question. We have to ask ourselves and come to grips with this. Is what we are doing working to reach the next generation? Is what we're doing working? Is how we go about what we think we should go about working to reach the next generation? The question is not, what have we done as if the path methods are going to work on the next generations, because they won't. The question is, the question really is this, what would Jesus do? We have to constantly come back to this, what would Jesus do? Like, what would Jesus do in my shoes? If he were walking in my shoes, how would he go about the mission? If he were walking in the shoes of us as a church, how would Jesus go about the mission? What would Jesus do to reach them today? Not reach them 2,000 years ago, but reach them today. And so this whole series is created to force us to think in new ways, right? To think in creative ways on how in the world are we going to reach people, people that are growing up with things and surrounded by things that you and I never even dreamed about. You know, when we were kids, back at that picture of the, uh, the rabbit ears and the TV, I, I wasn't thinking about having a, 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 a phone in my pocket one day, right? You know, we had the dial-up phone. It's on the wall. You remember it? You know, remember that thing, right? We, I didn't sit around thinking, you know, one day I hope I have one of these in my pocket. We didn't think about that. Didn't even concern us, right? We're just going through our lives. But these, these kids today, they're growing up with stuff. They're born into a world where there's stuff. It's not their fault. Can't, can't blame our three-year-old grandkids for the way the world is when they were born into it, right? We can't do that. They're just born into a world that has so many things that you and I never, if you're a baby boomer or beyond, we never even thought about these things. These things have come along as we have grown in life, as we have lived our lives. And we've got to ask ourselves, how are we going to reach them? They're growing up with stuff we never had in our lives. And we have to think outside the box quite a bit to do this. And so I really hope that we're ready. Like we're ready to like embark on a journey into this like great unknown that we may be uncomfortable with. That we're ready like to buckle up and get a little messy into 2020 and beyond. You know, Jesus said, remember Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me, right? That's what he said. He said, he didn't say bring your cushion and follow me, right? He didn't say bring your, you know, your backpack and your, your nice soft uh, sleeping bag and, and down 
pillow, you know, and follow me. Jesus said, take up a cross. <laughs> take up a cross. So, so if we think, if we think for a second that it's going to be like pretty and comfortable and nice, then we don't have a clue of what a mess a cross will make. You know, the kids from, that live in the neighborhoods around us, right? These kids that, that we're trying to reach out to and share the love of Christ with. They, they come from rough homes. They come from tough moms and absent fathers. They're not going to act like your kids did. They are not going to act like your kids did. It, it's a different world that we are that we're trying to reach with the gospel. It's a different world. It's not for the weak. It's going to get messy and it's going to be hard. But what we have to do is let go and let God and keep moving forward with Jesus. So, so how? How are we going to pull this off, right? That's the question. How are we going to pull this off, right? Or are we even capable of reaching this world? Are we even in the ballpark of, of what it's become so fast, right? Just in our lifetime. In our lifetime, we've gone from dial phones to like walking around with a smartphone. Like you can get on the internet and Wi-Fi. You know, 60 years ago, if you would have said, hey, we're going to have Wi-Fi, then you probably would have got punched. Like why? What is that? Right now, these kids are, you know, it's just part of our world and it's so different and it's become so different so fast. Just in our generations, it has changed so fast. And so the question is how? How are we going to reach them? And before we can truly move forward, we have to begin with a couple questions. One, we understand the need, right? We get the need and we understand the mission. Jesus, Jesus gave us the mission. And what is the mission? Somebody say it. Go. Go. Thank you. Go. Great word. Go. Into all the world, right? Bring the good news. Seek and save the lost, right? We, we know the mission. And so what we got to do, we got to begin by, by, just getting, by just getting unstuck. Okay, we got to get unstuck. Whether we realize it or not, we all get stuck. We all get stuck. And it messes us up. It keeps us in one place. It keeps us from going forward, right? It keeps us from being what God wants us to be. We get stuck. And sometimes we get stuck and we don't even really realize it. So in Exodus chapter 14, if you've got your Bibles, go to Exodus 14. Moses is dealing with this unbelieving and unfaithful and unwilling people, right? Poor Moses. He's just working with these people and they don't want to go anywhere. They're stuck in one place. And, and what is he going to do with this? Like, like how is he going to work through this, right? These people, they, and you think about these people, Israel, they saw like the, they saw the mighty hand of God do amazing things, like lead them out of Egypt and do all these plagues and all these crazy miracles. They watched God preserve them through time, right? And so, so in Egypt, the, the Passover meal is eaten, right? The death angel passes through and Pharaoh finally says to them, Please leave. Get out. Get out of my country. Just go. Go out into the desert. Go do whatever it is you want to do. Go. Right? And so they pack up and they head out of Dodge. Right? They gird up their loins and they go. Anybody know what that is? Somebody want to demonstrate? Okay. If you had your robe on, you could do it really nicely. Your karate robe. 
So they gird up their loins and they head out to the, uh, the, the desert. They're going to the desert. God has them go, not the short, easy way, but the long way. And God has his reasons. So they're marching, thousands of, the, thousands of them going toward the desert, and they reach the Red Sea. Okay? They reach the Red Sea and they look back, and here we go, verse 10 of Exodus 14. So they look back, and as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. So what we see right off the bat as they begin to leave Egypt is the Egyptians coming after them, so they see this huge obstacle. First they see this big body of water <laughs> that is definitely going to be an obstacle because there's thousands and thousands of them, women and children, goats, donkeys, and emus, and uh, they, they've got to get across this body of water, and that's a huge obstacle. But they look back, and who's there? Uh, Pharaoh is there. Sorry. And Pharaoh is uh, coming after them. He's marching after them, not to shake their hand and congratulate them or to give them a door prize, but to destroy them. And so it says they were terrified, and they cried out to the Lord, which is a smart place to turn, right? When, when things aren't good, when you face obstacles... We cry out to the Lord. That's what we should do. But then look what happens. Verse 11. Then they said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out here to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, Leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Right? So there's obstacles that come their way, and then they begin to like do this blame game, right? It's his fault, her fault, their fault, her fault, their fault, everybody else's fault. And then they begin to say, We told you so. How many of those people do you have to deal with? We told you that wouldn't work. We did that 30 years ago and never worked back then. It ain't gonna work today. I don't know. I just got my later in life voice. Right there. <laughs> but Israel, Israel, like so fickle, right? So like wishy-washy and so unfaithful and so forgetful. Like to get stuck, though, to get stuck is, is a normal part of life. We all get stuck. But to get stuck, we have to first like admit it. Not like this guy. Like this guy's stuck in the mud and he's like, what? I'm not stuck. I'm good. Right? right? That's, what, that's how most of us are. We, we get stuck or we just get comfortable, or we just kind of like it where we are, and we don't want to admit that we're stuck. And it's called denial, right? Denial. We just don't want to admit it. And so what we got to do is admit that we, we may be stuck, or that there is a possibility that I may be stuck and not really realize that I'm stuck. And so we have to at least be willing to entertain the idea that I may need to get unstuck in order for me to go forward with Jesus in 2020. See, what happened was Israel refused to admit it. They didn't want to face it. And what resulted in that was them griping and complaining and whining right into their graves, all the way to their graves in the desert. Notice, uh, notice verse 11. They said to Moses, <laughs> well, they said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us 
out of Egypt. Like, we would have been just as happy, Moses, dying in Egypt in slavery in a tomb back there somewhere. What, what have you done to us? Like, think about how awesome God had been to them. Like, yeah, life wasn't always pretty for Israel, but God was working with them. He was preserving them through all kinds of means. But he had this great promise for them, like the promised land, this land of milk and honey, this lush land that they were going to inherit if they would just stick with God. Like, just walk with God, and he will lead you to a land flowing with milk and honey. But they were unwilling to take the journey with God. They had a choice to make, like move forward with God or retreat back into bondage of the past. They had to make a choice. They couldn't stay here. They had to choose one or the other, right? The graves in Egypt or the ones in the desert. And the thing is this, they started off so well. Like they, they, they got it, they got the message, they saw the, the plagues, the miracles, and they followed Moses out of Egypt and they began this journey. But then along the way, something happened. They, along the way, they, they forgot who they were following and they began to think about all that they had and all that they're missing. And even though it was slavery, they were comfortable there. And they were beginning to miss it. They started fine, but they didn't finish. They didn't finish. So to move forward, we have got to be willing to, to take some risks, right? We've got to be willing to take some risks. We've got to be willing to be brave and take some risks. Well, let me wrap this up this morning. So we all, we all um, everybody keeps scrapbooks. You guys keep scrapbooks? Tyler, you guys scrap? Yeah. Is it like this one? Is it? Just like it. I think it's yours. I think I took it from you. Your mom let me borrow it. So we're going to read some of the stuff you wrote. So this is a scrapbook, right? You know, we all know what a scrapbook is. And uh, in a scrapbook, this is one of Rochelle's scrapbooks. We got like, we have a she shed full of scrapbooks and pictures and it's beautiful. The cool thing is you find letters that you wrote to your kids when they were little. That, that's cool. That's really cool. But, you know, in a scrapbook, you keep, you keep things, like from the past, right? That's what it's for, is to the memories, right? We have memories that we like to keep. And, and memories are great, and the past is awesome. You know, what we did 30 years ago, 40 years ago, and when we had kids was, was, was awesome. It was great. But you can't move forward and, move, and live in the past. You just can't do it. You can't do both. And so, so what, what I think this series is going to challenge us to do is this, is to simply, like, turn the page. Like, just turn the page. That's what we need to do. Just turn the page. Like, be willing to say, I'm not going to forget where I've been, but I'm not done. God's not done. You know, so it's, it's not uh, 2019 anymore. It's 2020, right? It's 2020. And what God's calling us to do in 2020 is turn the page. Turn the page and move forward with Jesus. Like whatever that might mean. I don't even know what that means, really. How we're going to move forward, I don't know. You know, that's, that's just like a, that's something we have to figure out because it isn't written. We don't, like, God didn't send the elders like this letter of, of all the things, the ministries and the things that God wants us to do in the next 10 years. We, we, we really don't know. 
it's going to take all of us working together to kind of figure out how we're going to reach the Rylands of the world and his friends and uh, high school kids of the world and their friends and young families and their friends. But we have to do it. We have to, right? God has called us to do that. We can't do nothing. And we just can't do everything and anything. We're not going to, like, open up a bar in the cafe. <laughs> okay? Some churches have done that. The beer churches, they do that. They've just let it, whatever go. We can't do that. There's a standard we have to live by in honor and doctrine that Jesus gave us that we have to live by. And we're going to live by them. They're what we call our core values. Right there, we're studying them on Wednesday night. And we're going to live by those, but how we bring the message of the gospel to the world, there's a lot of possibilities. There's a lot of options. And we have to be willing to do some new things. Because we have to ask ourselves, is what we're doing working? Is what we're doing right now working? Would you stand with us? We're going we're gonna to sing here in a minute. Let me pray with us. Father, we love you so much, and we're grateful that you love us, that you're so patient with us, even when we run all over the place. We scattered. We hold on to the things of the past more than we should. When we get comfortable right here where we are, just doing what we do. But we don't want to settle for that, Lord. We just don't want to settle for that. We want, we want to follow you into the future, today and tomorrow and the next day and the next day, because we know that there's so many people out there, souls that are out there that don't know you. And they're lost and they're wandering. And you've called us as people, as your church, to reach them, to bring the gospel to those people. So, Father, I pray that you would forgive us for not going forward. Forgive us for standing in place and help us to begin to move our feet. You have, you have placed before us an open door. God, help us to walk through it not even knowing what's on the other side, just help us to go, just to begin walking, to move. And then you'll guide our steps as we move onward and forward. You'll guide our steps, Lord. We believe you will, and we trust that you will. But on our own will, we have to be willing to begin moving. And I pray you'll bring us together as a body, use us for your glory to reach the next generations so that they'll believe and know the truth of who you are and how much you love us how much you care and what you've done for us, that they'll have hope and a life and a future. God, we love you so much. Speak to our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name.